Good morning, everybody. I want to start today in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. So if you got your message notes with you, pull out a pen, pull those out. If you got a Bible with you, we'll be digging around in 2 Corinthians today. And so uh, pull out your pen. Let's get to work here this morning. He says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under, and circle this, great pressure far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. And would you circle those words in such a way that it says, rely on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, circle this, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Today we answer the question, how do I handle stress? Your second most asked question. We actually answered this question last year in the You Asked For It series. Pastor Tom did that, did a great job. But uh, we're going to answer it again, one, because you asked it again, and another reason is I want to take this opportunity to look at stress from a different angle, because there's really kind of two big umbrellas of stress, two big categories of stress. There's stress that's self-induced, and we know what that is. It's when we procrastinate. It's when we buy more than we can afford. It's when we load up our schedules, it's when we make bad decisions, it's when we try to outpace what we're actually really able to do. It's like the dad who was bringing a briefcase of work home every night when he would come home from work and his child, young child, began to be really concerned about why he was doing this and he says, dad, why do you always bring all this work home? And his dad says, because I couldn't get it done at the office. And the child said, well, couldn't they just put you in a slower group or something? And... The idea of being like, you've got your pace, and as a kid, you know that, but as adults, we constantly try to outdo our pace, and it just adds so much stress. But then there's other things in life. There's another category of stress that we didn't have anything to do with. The stress is from circumstances that are out of our control, things you didn't choose, things that are now part of your life and your story, and you would have never have chosen them. And I want to get you today to see those things differently. I want you to leave here today thinking about that type of stress differently than when you came in. Too often when the subject of stress comes up, we only talk about how to remove stress. Okay, we hear so much about this idea of a stress-free life. Stress-free life. That's a contradiction of terms. There's no such thing as a stress-free life. Life. Life is stressful. Work is hard. Friendships and family and relationships and just being around people in general is difficult. Being healthy, staying healthy is difficult. School is a strain. Providing for your family can be worrisome. And if, if you just decide to remove all those things from the equation, then you're left with the stress of regret, the stress of loneliness, and the stress of hopelessness. Stress is a part of life. It's like this guitar over here Andrew's playing. The strings on it, if they weren't under stress, the guitar would be worthless. But they're stretched out and they're put under the exact amount of stress 
to where it sounds good and it's a worthwhile instrument. So instead of adding to your stress today by trying to get you to eliminate stress, I want to teach you what the Apostle Paul did with stress. And I want to call your attention to where he says we were under great pressure. Pressure is another word for stress. It's a word that's used in all kinds of situations. Just now that you're alerted to the word pressure, you're going to notice it all the time. Alex Smith, he's under a lot of pressure. The Royals, man, they were under a lot of pressure to snap that Indians winning streak. And the mark of a great athlete is how you perform under pressure. Can you perform under the lights? How do you live up to pressure? Same thing's true with being a parent. What sets a great parent apart is what they do under pressure. What you do under pressure sets great students apart. It sets great leaders apart. What do you do under pressure? All eyes on you and it's all on the line. Are you good under pressure? How many of you exceed and excel under pressure? How many of you choke under pressure? I tell you, doing this up here is a pressure cooker. It actually, it wasn't the first few times I did it. I kind of even laugh on the inside when someone tells me, I remember when you preached your first sermon eight years ago and you were so nervous. And I laugh a little bit because I'm way more nervous now than I ever was then. You see, what happens is when you preach in the same place every week, you use up all your stuff pretty quick. And so I hate to break it to you, I already used up all my stuff. And there's another week coming. And it's pressure. It's one thing to get up every once in a while. Do it on Saturday night good, then you got to do it on Sunday morning good. And some services are more hateful than others, so you don't really know how you're doing. I won't tell you where this one falls, but... I get nervous for preachers who say they don't get nervous. I mean, come on, you're preaching for God, you're handling the word of God, opening up the word of God. You don't feel a little bit of pressure with that? Maybe some preachers don't. Apostle Paul did. Fear and trembling, what he called it. Even right here, he says, I don't want you to be uninformed about what we went through. We were under great pressure. I'm glad he told us that he was under great pressure. Otherwise, we'd think we were the only ones with pressure. But I'm glad that he told me that it got so bad for him that he didn't even think he could go on. He didn't know if he could take it anymore. They say, if you're a great leader, don't let them see you sweat. The Apostle Paul must have never heard that because he says, I'll let you watch me bleed. What's the pressure in your life? Pressure to produce another paycheck. Pressure to live up to a self-expectation. To pretend that you know what you're talking about one more time on that sales call. Pressure to find a spouse. Pressure to save enough for retirement. Pressure to make it on time. Pressure to do what your coach is asking. Those of you in high school trying to stay pure, that's pressure. Pressure to get dinner made. Pressure to not lose it on that person at work this week. Pressure to get up and do it one more day. Pressure to respond the right way time and time again. The daily pressure of getting up and doing it again one more time. Pressure to just make it through this semester. You're going to school. You're doing homework. You're playing a sport. You're working a job. You're going to church. You're serving on a dream team, doing chores at home, and then they say you're the laziest, most entitled generation yet. Thanks a lot like you needed more pressure. We could talk about emotional stress, Spiritual stress, physical stress, pressure. 
we could spend the rest of our time together comparing stress. You know, let's just all stand up and, and compare stress and see who's under, in this room, who's under the most pressure right now. Because we always think that what the other person going through, that's nothing compared to what I'm going through. I'm the one with pressure. And people tend to think their job is more difficult than yours because you make it look so easy. But instead of talking to you today in a roundabout way about where stress and pressure come from and whose pressure is worse, I want to talk to you about what to do when it comes. Because sometimes we spend way too much time talking about where the stress and pressure come from instead of what to do with it when it comes. So I want to talk to you today about how to handle it. Not how to eliminate it, but how to think about it. What to remember when I'm under pressure. This is to what to remind yourself when you're under pressure. The first thing is that I've been here before. Write that down. I've been here before. In other words, it's Monday morning. You're not ready for the week. You're not ready for work. You're not ready for the test. You're not ready for the deadline. This ain't the last time, though, you've felt a little foggy on a Monday morning. Look at what Paul says as a perspective in verse 10. He says, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. And he tells us that he was in a situation that was so severe, he learned how to remember the last time he felt that way, and it caused him to rely on God's deliverance again. This is powerful, because when the pressure comes, if you're like me, you tend to forget all the other times God pulled you through. You forget all the other times God delivered you, and that you felt like this before. Let's back up a little bit and look at verse 8. He says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. Interestingly enough, though, then he doesn't go on to tell you what they are. Scholars have tried to figure out what, what that was. Now, the church at Corinth would have known, but we don't know. Was it the beast at Ephesus that he fought and referenced in 1 Corinthians 15? Was it the time Demetrius the silversmith ran him out of town because he was preaching the gospel of Jesus? Was it the time they beat him with 39 lashes because he was preaching and upsetting the religious system? Or was it the vague thorn that he references? We don't know what the stress was, but we know how it made him feel. And maybe he left it vague so that we wouldn't Think about where the stress is coming from so much as what to do with it when it comes. So he just says, I want you to know there was an Asian incident. Something went down in Asia, everybody. (laughs) And we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. You hear people say, God won't give you more than you can handle. That's a lie. He won't let you be tempted beyond what you can take. But he'll stretch you out and take you to your breaking point so that you're worth something. So that we despaired of life itself. Despaired. Despaired meaning the total unavailability of an exit from an oppressive circumstance. He says, I got into something and I saw no way out. And I looked around and no one could do anything and I was under great pressure. It's when you've been on a dozen job interviews and no one's calling you back. When the doctor says, we'll try this, But that's about all we can do. When your friends and family, they can't wait for you to have a baby and you're trying and the pressure's on. Pressure will get the best of you. And you might explode from the pressure in your life or you might implode where no one can see it. 
Paul says, I came to the point where I saw no way out, but mine is the God who makes a way. I've been in situations like this before. He says, I've lost my vision for a minute, and I thought I wouldn't make it through. And I remember the last time I felt like I couldn't make it through, but here I am. I'm thinking about David now, who's standing before Goliath. That's some pressure. Standing before a giant whose sword is bigger than you. If I kill the giant, the nation wins. If the giant kills me, everyone dies. It's brought into slavery at best. And what did he say? He said to Paul, who said, there's no way you can do this. You're just a boy. You can't handle this kind of pressure. David said, as a matter of fact, 1 Samuel 17, 37, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Now, what's interesting is he isn't going up against a lion and a bear again. It's a different situation. This is a lion and bear put together. But that's not what he's referencing. He's not saying I'm in the same situation. He's saying I've still got the same God. And the same God who pulled me through with the lion, the same God who pulled me through with the bear, is the same God right now. The circumstance may have changed, but my God didn't change. Come on, you've been here before. This wasn't the first time the enemy has pressed you. The enemy's pressed you before. It didn't work then. It's not going to work now. That's why they simulate in high combat fighters in the military, they simulate pressure. They send them out, jungle, swamp, no sleep, no food. Why? Because they're punishing them? No, they're doing them a favor. They have an enemy coming against them. Something triggers and they go, I've been here before. I know what to do. I've been here before. You remember the last time you thought you weren't going to be able to feed your kids. You fed them. You remember the last time you thought you weren't ever going to feel good again. And you thought depression was going to have you forever. But God brought you up again. The same God who rescued you before will rescue you again. You say, I've been here before. And that triggers you to... Lean on the faithfulness of God. Saying I've been here before isn't looking within. It's saying God rescued me before and I'm going to turn my focus onto the faithfulness of my God. So that's the first thing you tell yourself. The second thing you tell yourself is a little bit humbling. You tell yourself I'm not that important. I'm not that important. Welcome to Rockbrook, everybody. Now, Once you write that down, look up here. You're extremely valuable to God. And you're extremely valuable to us here at Rockbrook. And you're extremely valuable to the people in your life. You're important. You're not that important. Like the way that you think the world would stop spinning if you didn't show up to work tomorrow. The way you think that you have to take that person's call one more time or they may not make it. The way you never ask for help because they'll just do it wrong and then it's harder for me because I got to do it the right way then and fix their mistake. You're not that important. It's not about you. Listen, the Apostle Paul died. And guess what? We're here today. Churches kept being planted. The gospel kept spreading. Paul would tell you, I was doing a great work. The work was important to God, 
I wasn't that important. Look at verse 9 with me. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Paul is hurting. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. And sometimes God will put enough pressure on me to where I'll give back to him what belonged to him in the first place. Because I've carried more, more of a load than I've been assigned. I'm taking on more stress than I've been assigned. And there's worries and concerns that you've taken on that you need to let go of and rely on God. It's not about you. If it doesn't get done, that's okay. So much of our stress comes from thinking that I can't ask for help. That, I, that it all relies on me. And one of the best things you can do when you're under pressure is shift your focus. What I like to do is I pray for other people who are under pressure. It's one of the worst things you can do is get all self-centered about it. That's why once a year we encourage you to go to icommittopray.com on our Voice of the Martyrs weekend. I go there often, and this is one I read just the other day. Pastor Mashar has pastored a church in Pakistan since 2012. During his ministry, people have accepted Christ and experienced healing from the Lord. As a result, he and his church members have received numerous death threats. The stress his wife endured during pregnancy several years ago is believed to have affected their daughter's health. As pressure and threats have increased recently, Pastor Mashar and his family have sought relocation to a safer area. Pray for Pastor Mashar and his family as they continue to serve despite intense persecution. Pray that church members will stand strong and that their faithfulness and love will draw their persecutors to Christ. Wow. Would you pray that Pastor Mashar's persecutors will fall in love with Christ? That's a perspective changer. So much of the stress that you feel is not the situation that you're in. It's your interpretation of the situation you're in. And if you get up in the morning and thank God that you get to participate in his purpose, but that it doesn't all rely on you, it gives you the freedom to be able to do it. And once you've established God's faithfulness, and you've established that the universe doesn't take its cue from your rise and fall, that God can even work through your failures, then you're ready to remind yourself of the next thing. And let, let me set it up for you first. In our lives, there's so much stress and pressure that we're going through that's within. There's a part in Paul's letter to the Corinthians where he's talking about the things that he's gone through, being shipwrecked, being flogged. He's proving that he's been through some things. But then you get to chapter 11, verse 28, where he says, Besides everything else, I face the pressure of my concern for all the churches. He says, I'm concerned if they're really following Jesus, if they're staying true to who God really is. I've been in danger, I've been flogged, I've been robbed, all this crazy stuff has happened to me, but really what gets me is the pressure, not the pressure out there, the pressure in here, my concern. And you can relate to this one, because this is what gets you. Your concern, of, are my kids going to really make the right choices? Are my friends going to stand by me? Is my family going to make it through this season? Are my parents going to make it through this season? And it's not so much what's happening to you, it's what's happening in you. And I'm going to tell you what to remember when the pressure feels so great within. But it's going to sound wrong at first. It's going to sound counterintuitive. But what I tell myself when the pressure within is great is I tell myself I'm better under pressure. Write that down. I'm better under pressure. 
We spend so much of our lives thinking what it would be like if there wasn't so much stress. If there wasn't so much family drama, if I didn't have financial pressure, if we had more margin in our schedule, then I could really be effective. But we often fail to realize that pressure creates power. Pressure creates power. Look at this verse with me. This is also the Apostle Paul writing to the Romans. In chapter 5, he says, With joy, let us exult in our sufferings and rejoice in our hardships, knowing that hardship, distress, pressure, and trouble produces patient endurance, and endurance, proven character, and proven character, hope, and confident assurance of eternal salvation. You see what he's saying there? He's saying that we so often want to run from hardship. We want to run from distress and stress. We want to run from pressure. We want to run from trouble. While there are some things that can only be produced by pressure. Some things can only be produced by pressure. Moses standing before Pharaoh, let my people go. It wasn't until multiple times of Pharaoh saying no that the power of God was revealed. The pressure God's people were under led God's glory to go beyond human comprehension. I'm thinking about Daniel in the lion's den. You'd think that God would deliver Daniel from the lion's den. No, he delivers Daniel in the lion's den. You'd think that that God would deliver Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace. No, he delivers them in the fiery furnace. Put Joseph in prison. Lock him up for a crime he didn't commit. Leave him there after the baker and the cupbearer have been released. He'll rise to prominence, become second in command in charge of all the nation of Egypt. You think God would deliver him from Egypt? No, he delivers him in Egypt. And then gives God the glory where he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. God says, you put the pressure on and I'll use it to produce my purpose in that person. Thank you, Jesus, who knelt down in the garden of Gethsemane and said, God, if there was any other way, I don't want to be separated from your love for even one moment, but nevertheless, your will be done. He prayed while others slept. He prayed While he bled, he prayed for his persecutor. Do you know what Gethsemane means? Where the Savior of the world knelt down and prayed under pressure. It means olive press. Because the only way to get the oil out is to press the olive. And if you're under pressure today, it's not what's happening to you. It's what God put in you that he's pressing out of you. Some things can only happen under pressure. You you need a little bit of pressure in your life. You need a little bit of stress. You need some things that you can't get off your mind. It'll make you trust God. It'll knock a little bit of arrogance off of you. It'll make you walk with a little bit of a limp. It'll make you more compassionate to others. You know, I think it's interesting that over the summer, after we announced this leadership transition in our church, just overwhelming support, just amazing. But most of the conversations I had with you, when you'd ask me things, 
they always kind of revolved around what pressure I'd been under in my life. So is this young guy going to be able to tell me anything? Has he been through anything? Has he withstood some stress and pressure? Has he ever had his heart broken? Has he ever gotten a bad word from a doctor? Has he ever had anything happen to him? And in reflecting on that, in your mind, what qualifies me to stand up here and preach to you today is not my education, it's not my speaking ability, it's not my leadership ability. What, in your mind, what qualifies me to minister to you is the pressure I've been under. The times in my life I didn't think I could go on. The times in my life where my faith in God was hanging by a thread. And the same is true in your life. God says, you want the stress to go away. It's the very thing that qualifies you for my purpose in the world. The all eyes are on you. Game's on the line. When the pressure's on, everyone's looking to how you'll respond. What will you do? God says the pressure's what qualifies you. And you say, if it had not been God, my enemies would have swallowed me up. But now that I've been through some pressure, I can stand in front of Goliath and say, this is where I'm best. I'm better under pressure. I know how to trust God under pressure. I know how to point people to Christ when I'm under pressure. I went to uh, the store yesterday and picked up a little water gun. And uh, it works okay. I can get about to the third row on this thing, maybe the fourth. So <laughs> I called a friend. <laughs> and I've been wondering all weekend, in this service specifically if I should follow through on this illustration. It's been raining out anyway. <laughs> more pressure means more power. You take the pressure off, you don't have a lot of power. So you may be under pressure, but maybe God is loading you up, pumping you up for something. He says, put them under pressure, watch them grow. Put them under pressure, watch them excel and expand. You see, I got this one from the dollar store. They don't sell this one at the dollar store. <laughs> and I ask you, what kind of faith do you want to have in your life? Dollar store faith? Cheap faith? Makes it to about the third row out of here? And falls off when you leave church? Or do you want some powerful faith? You want some threatening faith? It'll do some damage. What kind of faith do you want? See, we run from pressure. 
We run from conflict. We run from hard things in our life. We run from discipline. We run from disciplines. We run from conflict. We run from adversity. Therefore, we run from power and we blame God and say, where is the power in my life? You say, I wish being a parent were easier. I wish these people would back off. I wish this diet were easier. I wish I didn't have to deal with this conflict. But when you undo the pressure, you take away the power. Look at Romans 5 with me again. Apostle Paul says, with joy, let us exult in our sufferings and rejoice in our hardships. Knowing that hardship, distress, pressure, and trouble produces patient endurance. And endurance, proven character. And proven character, hope and confident assurance of eternal salvation. I'm not trying to get you to eliminate your stress. I'm trying, like the Apostle Paul, like the Word of God, to lift up your hands and praise God for it. To rejoice in your hardships. Because they're putting you under pressure and they're giving you more than just a dollar store confidence in your assurance of eternal salvation. It's giving you undying hope that this Word is true. Eternal life is true. And I don't know where the pressure in your life is coming from. Some pressure comes from God directly. Some pressure comes from other people. It doesn't matter where it comes from as what I do with it. That will determine the pressure it produces in my life. Paul said the people who were beating me, they thought they were punishing me. They were actually doing me a favor and jokes on them. Because they were producing the power of God and the purpose of God within me. It doesn't make the pressure go away. You see, the only thing that the world can teach you is how to cope with pressure. How to cope with stress. Only God can show you how to convert the stress into something glorious. Only God can show you how to convert stress into love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control only God can show you how to convert it into proven character and confident assurance only God can show you how to convert it into something that gives him the glory and turns everyone's attention onto Jesus Christ and you're in a pressure-filled environment you're in a pressure-filled home what's happening around you is not really about what's happening to you but what God is doing in you you ever see a pressure cooker A pressure cooker has a regulator on it where the exact amount of pressure that needs to be in the device to get the job done. So you you could put in a roast, it'd normally take all day. You could put it in a pressure cooker and it's ready for 40 minutes because the burner on the outside makes the steam do the work on the inside. It's like when you put new strings on this guitar. When you put new strings on a guitar, you got to tune the guitar a lot. You got to tune it before every song. Sometimes you got to tune it during a song. Because the strings are stretching, they're settling into the guitar. You thought God was trying to break you while God is breaking you in. So the next time life squeezes you and the stress falls on you, you can say what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, 
so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. you got to remind yourself, I've been here before. I've made it this far. I've hung on for this long. I'm not going to let go now. And since Jesus is at the center of my life, since it's all about him, whatever happens to me, I know God is going to use it because it's not about me. So I'm casting my cares on you. This is not my fight. And now that I know that, I'm free to say in the face of affliction that I'm better under pressure. That the, the pressure is producing something in my life. So let the waves roll. My eyes are on Jesus. I'm going to praise him under pressure. I'm going to let the pressure produce in me something amazing. I've got more to say, but would you just move into a posture of prayer now? Will you bow your head, close your eyes? I'll put the gun down. (laughs) (laughs) So there's also a part in 2 Corinthians where he says, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we set our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Because what is unseen is eternal. He's saying we fix our eyes on heaven. And Jesus said the same thing. He said, in this world you will have trouble. It's not going to be a stress-free life. But the blessed hope is not in a stress-free life. It's a life where our momentary troubles are redeemed. You see, Jesus offers you more than just a better time on earth. He offers you more than just a better now. He offers you eternal life. And some of you have never decided to trust Jesus, to acknowledge him, to move from death to eternal life. Some of you have been far from God. You're coming back to him today. And if that's you, you say, I've been coming to church. I've been thinking about this. But now's my moment that I want to acknowledge God. I want to say, God, you are my Savior, and I'm a Jesus follower. I want to be a Christian. Would you just raise your hand right now? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Sam, moving across the line. This is my moment. Just pray this prayer in your heart and mind with me. Jesus, thank you for coming to earth and living a perfect life. A life I could have never lived. Thank you for dying in my place on the cross. Thank you for for rising from the dead, for giving me life and forgiving me. So God, I give you my anxiety. I trust you. I remember your faithfulness. We've been here before, God. and I don't want to make my life all about me. God, I invite you to take the pressure in my life and let it produce patient endurance, proven character, and confident assurance of heaven. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.